Hey guys, Harrison here. Uh, in today's episode of the Startup Diary, we have Shane from Sugarnova on the show. Um, just when I was doing some editing, though, I noticed there was some audio gremlins. So it actually sounds like me and Adam are underwater almost. Um, I can only apologize for the audio quality from our end. Not sure what it was. New machine, new system, possibly human error. We will get it sorted. So in today's episode, apologies for any pain that you might feel when listening to the show, but stay tuned because it is a great conversation that we have with Shane from Sugar Nova. Sugar Nova! Is exactly who is on the show today. What we're going to do is drop a little bit of audio. So Shane from Sugar Nova came to our startup diary club meet. I nearly said dairy because that's what Richard wrote on the board. And Richard, in case you haven't <laughs> noticed, that is what is on your t-shirt. Go spell check that thing. Enjoy that one. Shane came to our meetup, an amazing guy. After we met him on the day, we're like, you should be on the show. This is a bit of what Shane thought about the podcast, about the day. And then we're going to get straight into an interview with Shane, who runs Sugar Nova. Sugar Nova! Cool guys, so we are joined on the mics with Shane from Sugar Nova. Now Shane, before we get into anything, Sarah asked me to say, well she actually made a statement, and for everyone listening, <laughs> Sarah is my wife, that you met on the day when we went to Gymshark, okay. and she said, oh, you've got half of Taurus on the show. <laughs> like, what on earth, because she, she left it at that and did not explain another thing, she left it for you. What does she mean by half of Taurus? It's actually Team Taurus. So when we did the exercise at Gymshark HQ and we had to um, line up in alphabetical, alphabetical, sorry, order of your birthday um, yep. without communicating, uh, we were both May. Um, so I was like, hey, so you're Team Taurus? And then it was kind of fist pound and we were good to go, like ultimate friends for life straight away just with that one signal. Well, that's amazing because basically she was giving me grief and like, why are you back late on Wednesday? And she was like, oh. And then she like lit up and was like, oh, you're with the half of Taurus. And she might have said, I'm with the half of Team Taurus. And I was like, pardon? And she was like, you'll find out. And that was just like, that. Anyway, Shane, it's amazing to have you on the show. We connected at the Gymshark Day and people heard that at the top of the show. For everyone that's listening, a couple of things. One, who are you? Two, how did you hear about the show? And three, at the top of the show, you heard, Harry, you're going to drop it for me right now so Shane can hear. You heard, Sugar Nova! Like, what is <laughs> Sugar Nova and what do you do? And we'll get into today's topic. So over to you. Okay, class. Thanks, guys. So obviously, I'm Shane. I'm the owner of Sugar Nova. So we're a business consulting and brand management agency. What we do is we grow your business through different strategies from content creation to social media and digital marketing. We just want to stretch your P&L look at giving you new ideas and processes for your businesses in order to help you grow. Um, that's preliminary, preliminary what we do. Uh, we create tailored content for your brand. We look at ways that we can just grow your business in different areas, whether you're a small um, office, home office style business, or whether you're an SMB through to corporate and large enterprises. Um, what is Sugar Nova? I think the best people always go to me, what, what does that actually mean? And when I explain, we're like giving you a sweet explosion to your brand people always go ah okay that makes sense so that's our little uh, tagline where we give your brand a sweet explosion cool now shane let me just this is a selfish part of the show for me yeah. like how did you originally hear about the show and then like 
I know we covered this when we had the gym shot day, right? Why did you come across that day in a nutshell? So I heard about your show from, I can't remember who the YouTuber was because I gave you feedback that it was a particular YouTuber. But when I then looked at it, I couldn't remember who it was. But effectively, it was a large YouTuber um, that was doing a top five podcasts um, and you fell into it. So I looked it up. Um, I loved the commercial and business acumen side. Um, trading isn't for me in terms of the expert trade side, but everything that you guys spoke about, it just touched a nerve with me. Cool. Yeah, that that was actually, I think it was a chap called Stallman or uh, Stallman. And I actually messaged him back and said, thank you. And he hit me with message a couple of times. So he's awesome. Got you on the show. That's amazing. So we've got a, we've got a couple of topics that we're going to dig into. And Harry wanted to open up the topic. He said off the air was just like, I'm confused. Like, Harry was so we've got millennials versus Gen Z, and I'm thinking like millennials. I'm assuming is like post 2000, but then Gen Z. Is, I don't think I'm a Gen Z. What do you think you are? What do you, if you have to class yourself, what do you think you are? <laughs> I, I ask myself that every day. <laughs> so Shane, you're the expert. Give us a definition because this is sort of the staple thing that we're going to hang the rest of the show from millennials, Gen Z. Your thought process around how how this impacts social and branding and marketing today. Go. So I think it encompasses everything. So let me just give you a background. Millennials are typically um, people born between 1983 to 1995. Gen Z are those born from 95 to present day. A bit of a caveat, I'd say there's two different types of Gen Z. I think that that five-year period between 95 and 2000 is quite crucial just because you're looking at they're the i generation so these people typically grew up with an iphone in their hand and know exactly how to use it without an instruction menu why that's important for business um it's extremely relevant so let me give you a bit of background for me when i'm getting clients at the moment they're either people that are too scared to use social media um, mm -hmm. or they're too busy so they they know they have to do it don't really want to so they'd rather outsource that on that, on that note before you carry on is when I want to just dig into that because it's something that I was actually touching on with a client yesterday. Mm -hmm. Is when they know they need to do social, why do you what is the thing? Because I was literally with a client, it wasn't yesterday, it was Monday, and they said, We, we want to do, we know we need to do social. And I was like, Great, why? And they're like, So everyone's on social. I went, Great, why? Like, why do you find that people all of a sudden, or even in the last couple of three, five, six years, said we need to be on social? Is it a fear of missing out or is it actually they understand the business need? Uh, fear of missing out, so FOMO, we like to call it. Um, 100%, I think there's that element there. I think that the challenge people have are they're scared of it. Um, depending, and this goes back to that millennial versus Gen Z. Millennials grew up getting to know technology and having to learn it. Um, so when you look at Facebook, some people are just like, well, uh, I don't have a Facebook, whereas normally you'd think, well, everybody has a Facebook, but that's actually not the case. So on, on that note, when people are saying, actually, everyone needs to be doing social, are they thinking from a fear of missing out perspective, and I, I'm sorry to repeat this, but I want to dig in, are they, do they think they're missing out on the fact that everyone's on there, so we need to be, and how much of what you do when you speak to brands is explaining, this is not just fluff, there is an actual way to impact the bottom line or is it just a, hey, we want some more likes? Like, when you go and speak to people, what does that look like? So typically when I speak to people, there's a big differentiator. Some people just want likes. And I have to kind of 
exactly deep dives just like you're saying and understand the why behind that because likes isn't going to put money in your till uh, a lot of the people I work with are in the hospitality se- sector, so restaurants and hotels, etc. And I'm like, well, forget the likes you get. You could get 10,000 likes less than the next than your competitor, but you have a bigger conversion. Those people are buying from you. Um, so that's a really important thing to touch on. I think that there was a time where you went on Facebook, we went on Instagram, and you got a huge following really quickly, and you didn't have to do much. Whereas now, that's a catalogue for your business. And so businesses know they need to be on there, but they don't quite know how to grow their following or how to get the return from that following. So when you speak to a brand, what, what are you saying to them? Like, why are you saying this is relevant for their business today? So I'll talk about um, one of the key things I I will touch on is nowadays, back to this Gen Z um, situation, a customer will look at your, if you said, for example, come and try our burger, what they'll tend to do is look on Instagram to see how many people are trying their burger. Does it look great? Will it photo well? Was it look like, is it going to be glam? And then they'll make that decision to go in there and buy it. If you're not doing that, then you have no reference. So then you're automatically forgotten about and people won't even bother going it through your door. So when it comes to kind of the social posts that companies are making, then obviously is the understanding the audience and what gen they come under, does that make a difference on the type of content that you're putting out from a company? Or? So absolutely. We'll look at personally where your geographical location will look at what your target audience currently is versus where you want it to be and then how do you bring in new types of audience and then what is your strategy to bring that in so that's a super interesting point you just said there in terms of who do you want to serve now mm-hmm. and who do you want to serve in the future because as we went back and forth over email you said something to me and i was like ah shit this guy gets it he was like who do you serve now and i'm like well, we serve plumbers and then Shane was like, well, you need to be in front of plumbing apprentices. And how you get in front of a plumber is very different to how you get in front of a plumbing apprentice. And that's what made me really want to get you on the show, Shane. I thought, yeah, you know your stuff. Let's get you on. Let's talk about this. I'm just going to take this in a, in a slightly more, I just want to take it on a, on a bit of a corporate view in terms of where you deal right now, you deal with hospitality, you deal with a number of different businesses. How do you find that a local SMB or a one-man band business interacts with you compared to corporate? And do you need to do something different to stand out in that corporate world? Absolutely. So corporate are very much set in their ways. They, you know, they're very much um, potentially arrogant in this is what we do and it's always worked. So that means they will use uh, for example, TV ads, they'll use Facebook because that's what they know and that's what's always worked. Um, they might use tra- traditional print media. Again, that's what they've always done. The reality is nobody watches TV adverts anymore. Print media doesn't tell you how many people touched that, what that return is going to look like for you. Um, whereas that new generation and the customers you want to start hitting will be on YouTube. They'll be on Snapchat. They'll be on Instagram. So you've really got to look at how you target those in a completely different way. So let's just, let me just dig into that. I want to ask Harry a question. Harry, the social platforms, what are you using today? Like, Right now, uh, I mainly dabble with Instagram. I still have Facebook, but it's something that I rarely go on. Just, I think I got scarred, not scarred, I think I got burnt from when it just became a massive ad platform and I felt like I was never seeing the people I wanted to speak to. And then I just thought, oh, stuff this. I feel like it, I couldn't filter and curate what I wanted to see well enough. And then that's, I guess that's when I warmed up to Instagram more because I could, 
I feel I have more control over what is in front of me on Instagram. And then where else are you consuming content? So for me right now, I'm using I use like Netflix, Amazon Prime. I, I don't touch Snapchat. Just don't. I just don't. <laughs> I just don't get it. I just don't. I'm a, and I'd love to shame you on this in a sec. Like, are you using any of those? Are you using like Snapchat, Instagram for you personally? Like YouTube? What you uh, YouTube obviously is a big one now. I'm very much on demand. So like live TV. I can't remember the last time I. I don't, we don't actually even have a live TV signal into the house. So everything is on demand. Netflix, Amazon. Uh, Snapchat tried it, deleted it after a dick pic, and then and then that was that. So I thought, oh, for this one. Um, so yeah, so just basically Instagram, YouTube, Netflix, Amazon. That's where I'm at. So let's take an example, Shane. I want you to educate me on this. If someone, because you made me think about this whole plumber v plumber apprentice. Like, if I'm trying to market to a plumbing apprentice, like, what's your advice to expert trades when you come in and give me a consulting session? So I would look at, so you've got Harry, he's a valuable tool to you. I know that you've dibbled and dabbled around, you're going to do a, um, a vlog. I think that's key. That's where your audience is going to be going forward. Um, I also believe that you can, I don't use Snapchat personally. I'm not a fan of it. Um, however, there are some cool features in there around location and stuff like that that you can use. But I think Instagram is going to be a huge win for you. YouTube is going to be massive for you. And I think you should, in in terms of YouTube, you can advertise through um, the the adverts that go before the um, any video that's played. And some of them now you'll see about two minutes long. So you've got that in terms of a form of advertisement. Or you also have the other style, which is just have your blog online have your vlog online and that's how the people like gary v are creating an audience of all different ages because they get to see his day-to-day life which i think that's something that you guys could really do cool really like that. let me just ask you if i'm creating a piece of content for plumbers do i dissect that and make it for i'm leading with, i'm sort of leading the witness now so i think i know the answer to these but if i'm creating one stable piece of content for the audience i'm trying to speak to today the plumber who's 28 years old and bored of doing admin how do, do I repurpose that content for The Apprentice or am I having to create brand new content to speak to The Apprentice? You want to have more fun, uh, repurposed content for that other generation just because they like, these guys are using memes. They're using different type of quick, uh, edgy, you know, responses. You want to be quick with everything that they do. They, they have no attention span at all. <laughs> uh, so let's just go into that because that's really interesting. I find attention spans... Like this interesting debate in terms of when it comes to marketing, and I'm just under the assumption that if your message is good, it can be three seconds, it could be three hours. If it's mm. good, they'll listen. When you look at the differential between millennials and Gen Zs, what do you see happening with? And this is an overarching view, and what I don't want is some 29 year old emailing one thing and some 16 year old emailing another thing around. As a generalist statement, what do you think is happening with attention spans and what can brands and corporates do to tackle it? So let me, um, if we're this far into the podcast and people still aren't understanding, let me break this down a bit further. So if I give you an example of a millennial, you tend to have grew, grown up, you're playing solitaire on your PC to pass your time. You mm-hmm. understand the frustration of dial-up internet, which means subconsciously you'll give a brand a chance, you'll give them a second chance. You, you know people make mistakes. Gen Z are completely unforgiving. Their time is so valuable to them. They had, they've got more power in their phone than we've had in our offices growing up. So everything's snappy, everything's sharp. They want it now and they can be bored under 10 seconds. Hence why 
places like Snapchat and Instagram, Instagram stories are doing so well because it's that attention span. A millennial will watch your half an hour video because they've, they're used to watching that content online. They're, they're used to watching EastEnders, for example. They know half an hour is what you sit in front of the TV for. Uh, Gen Z is not going to do that at all. So, firstly, I'm watching Harry, and he, uh, I don't normally highlight the things that Harry says behind the mics because he sort of mouths them to me. And he just went one head blown to this guy smart. He literally, and especially the way that you just define that fair play. So, I'm going to take this as an opportunity to be super selfish, but it's one of the joys that I can do on my own podcast. You <laughs> the time to be super selfish of what we want to learn. I run a business where our average age in the company is around 29, 28, 29 years old. We're in the luxury position that we're on this like middle tier ground in terms of understanding Snapchat, Instagram, and also respecting the fact that we have dial-up and we will give brands mm-hmm. a second chance. What can corporates do if their average age looks something like 47 years old to actually get more relevant to the customers they want to attract in the next 10 years? So I'm going to first hit off the next 10 year thing. So just to be clear, there is some hope because those digital natives are now getting older. So 50, 60-year-olds now have an iPhone. They don't have a flip phone. They will use that iPhone. They will try and somehow play around with it. Um, So let's not discount that completely. Um, We are moving with the times. Um, So so the key thing there for you is when you're hiring, you want to – I would look at your culture, so the culture within your brand. If you looked at that time when we were at – Gymshark, you saw that um, people were sitting down, they were on a beanbag, they had their headphones in and they were, you know, that's where they were playing and that's the type of people that they were both advertising to. So therefore, they're the people they employed. I think for you, you'll have to look at, do you have a, a split mix, which is, you know, rather than have one content creator, do you have two? Do you have, look, you are here to specifically target 15 to 30 and then you're here to look at 30 to 50 because i think that's really important to look at to jump in if you're a small business and you can't afford to go and hire someone that identifies with a 15 to 27 and a 28 to 36 do you personally believe and i guess i'll ask you the question are you good enough as a marketer to go and understand those different demos is that the responsibility of who you hire to basically say, actually, my messaging is different from this category, that category, that category, and a 49-year-old who just gets it, cancel advertise on Snapchat to 16-year-old girls. Like, what does that role need to look like for someone that's listening today and saying, I want a seven-person company, I want to get on Snapchat because my product is bought by 16-year-old girls right now, but everyone in my company is 64 years old with gray hair. What does that person do right now? So I think, again, going back to culture, that's important. So who you have in your team. So what makes me successful in what I do? I believe I'm a millennial with a Gen C mindset. So what I mean by that is I have that ability to, I'm very old school in some of my thinking, um, very black and white in that. But then I also know that I need to banter down and adjust to what my audience is. So definitely hire the right person that can do something along that skill set or I'll be selfish and then you can come to Sugar Nova and we'll happily take care of that for you. Um, (laughs) um, But ultimately, um, it's, you'll you'll understand as well. It could be, you you know, are you looking at um, 
for example, young mums, that they get both sides. They have that adult mentality, but they also have that young mindset. And people sometimes discredit the ability of that. Are you looking at um, entrepreneurial people that have been there, had a business, done it, they quite get these are the two landmarks I need to have. These are the, This is where we become successful. It's just about understanding that, you know, do they have a 360 attitude if, you're only, if you can only hire one person? Or are you putting the time into them to, you know, push their, re- their development so they can just research and understand what that looks like between the two different skill sets and age groups? Yeah, that's really interesting. I think... I think someone's listened to the show and you've got some and you internally want to make this move to get onto social platforms is you need to give your staff the space and the time to actually go and explore those platforms. I think one thing we covered off at the top of the show, which is people are scared. I think one thing that big corporates tend to be scared of is if the wrong message goes out and it's not on point, you put that out onto social, you then open up a conversation that you might not want to be part of. How do you get across that hurdle with brands that say, actually, I'm just too scared to be on social because I don't want the backlash that could happen if we get it wrong? So we literally come in and we'll overhaul the social. We'll take ownership of that and we'll monthly feedback. This is what we're doing. We can do it weekly or monthly. This is what we're doing. This is what we're planning to do and this is what we've done. These are the results we've had. And we'll engage with the business to look at, okay, what direction do you want to go in? I think you need to really be clear with your brand message. One company that I'm a huge fan of um, on Twitter is a company called Dbrand. So if you anyone watches YouTube and or tech YouTubers, their Dbrand will sponsor a lot of the guys. They do the um, funky skins for your phone. Uh, yeah, John Morrison, I think he's a tech reviewer. Yes. Uh, yeah that's the man okay we're on the same page I got you. so uh, if you actually go on to um d brand's twitter and i literally would love anybody who's listening to the show to go on there it's hilarious because their model is just abusing the customer through banter and the amount of engagement that, that gets and the amount of traction that gives their company is phenomenal I, I, honestly that's risk but it's a it's a fantastic risk. So you've got that element of um, of the engagement, or it's just we always look at what is your tone of voice and how do you want your tone of voice to come across. Like, once we understand that, we can then you know recreate the message you're trying to put out and and really own that. So it's actually super important for someone that's trying to do social. There's no point trying to do social until you're really clear of your voice. Of- or your tone of voice, should I say, mm-hmm. across every platform. So you need your brand identity nailed down, which will then give permission for people to come into the business and then try and do social because they'll understand how us as a brand speak. Is that what I'm hearing? Exactly that, exactly. Cool, like it. Um, and I also love the fact that if you are thinking about doing social and you referenced Gary Vee earlier, one thing that he says that I sort of try and live is just being a practitioner and I would recommend everyone before they call up Shubhanov and say, listen, we want to talk, go and open a Twitter account and just see how the mechanics work. Go and open YouTube, go and look at Facebook, try Snapchat, then bring Shane in because then you'll just have a little bit more context to what is available on the platform. Educate yourself, then you can have a smart conversation with someone like Shane and get the most out of it. Absolutely. 
So guys, I really want to um, pick up on identifying Gen Z and why that's important. So as someone that came from a corporate background, for example, when I recruited, I would look at details such as, um, you know, is the person wearing clean shoes? Are they, have they turned up early? You know, are they making notes, etc. Whereas nowadays, you're the best candidate for the job being a Gen Z might rock into your business wearing Yeezys, a Supreme top and some ripped jeans. Um, they might be taking their, they're most probably taking notes on their iPhone because it's more convenient and they value their time and their interest. So I think as a business owner, you know, the, one of the key points for this message for me is it's 2018. You are more than likely either engaging with your first employees that are, you know, now 18 and, and they're going to be within your organization and your first set of customers. So I feel that that's a really key thing for you to start looking at um, when you when you start to engage. Another thing for me, I really want um, to stress, and I, and I think it's it's a point that it's mind blowing to me, and that's the theory about index finger versus the thumb. So we got this note and it had no explanation and literally mind stuff and I was like, what does it mean like this? I started holding my finger and thumb against my face and I want to know this mean. Okay, so normally people um, press, for, ex- for example, will press their doorbell with their index finger, yeah? You do everything with your index finger, hence it's called your index finger, it's your point of reference. In this study that I recently looked up, the thumb is now becoming the index finger. So that's because nowadays people don't ring a doorbell. And in this um, in this study that I saw, people were asking kids, go and ring that doorbell. And they were using their thumb to do it. <laughs> real talk, real talk. And, and if you think about it, if you see like an elderly person using an iPhone, they do tend to scroll with their finger still. Um, whereas if you look at us nowadays, the thumb, you know, uses, that's how you use your home button. When you used to take a picture, you would hold the phone horizontally and you'd use your, or not a phone, you would hold your camera horizontally and you would use your finger to take the picture. Whereas nowadays, everything's vertical. You use your thumb to take that picture. You use your thumb to do everything now. So it's quite funny, but it's quite unique. And I think it's something that you've really got to start adapting to because that's the way the world has adapted um, through smartphones, through other things that we do. So I think that's something key for you to guys to look at when you're looking at the millennial versus the Gen Z mindset. Tell me how on God's name I apply this to expert traders today. <laughs> what should I be thinking? I'm like, no, listen, that piece of content is finger, I need done. Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> so, as funny as it sounds, if you look at the likes of YouTube, if you look at some of these huge organizations that are worth billions, they're moving into vertical video. The reason why they're doing that is because the way we use our devices are completely different. So you'd probably look at it from an expert trades point of view on navigating around your site, navigating around things that you're coming that that your user will be coming into contact with. So um, it's strange, it's out there, but just think about it for the long term. I'm like, you've already got my mind thinking. I guess it's it's less of a marketing perspective and more of a user interface, user experience perspective. It's how to make that more intuitive for them. Okay, so we've got we've got Gen X, Gen, I Gen X, and we've got Gen Z, <laughs> we've got millennials. Now we understand a little bit in terms of how they think differently when it comes to, as you just said, how they rock up for job interviews, their attention spans, and 
How well should we consider the difference between Gen Z and millennials when we're trying to do our targeted marketing campaigns? Like, what else should we be considering in terms of to get in front of these people? So you've got a broad um, listener base. So this can be everything from, um, I'll give you an example, education now. Um, Gen Zs aren't really going into higher education. They'd rather go out and get a job at 16, 17 because they know they can earn money quicker. They tend to do these entrepreneurial jobs like flipping clothes, you know, buying Yeezys and selling them for triple the amount of money or Supreme T-shirts, for example. These guys are turning their hobby into uh, how they can earn money. Um, so that can capture, you know, many people that are listening to, to this podcast. Absolutely. Um, Gen Z are one of the key reasons why they're more in touch with their entrepreneurial side is because they grew up around a recession. So you'll find with a millennial, because they were an adult in that recession, they're probably too scared to um, explore their entrepreneurial side because they're, they're of that fear of you know, I could lose my house. I've seen someone. I know somebody that that happened to. Whereas that isn't the case for Gen Z. You know, they're out there. Let's just earn whatever money we can. Um, I think for me, as having a young son, I used to want him to be a footballer. Now I want him to be a developer that has invents the next thing that we don't even know exists. Because a billion pound is a lot better than a million. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be in the three comma club. <laughs> 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 Listen, Jay. I want to bring this, I want to wrap this up and put a bow on this episode. When people are listening to this and they've got this far in, what takeaways can you give them when they're thinking about, one, how they market to Gen Z and millennials or potentially how they go about hiring Gen Z or millennials into their business? Just a bullet on each one of those to wrap this thing up. So be painfully honest with yourself. Uh, if not, I would be painfully honest with you. Um, the best marketing strategy may not be the best or the thing that you like the most, you've got to understand externally what is going to grab people's attention more. So definitely from that side of things, in terms of how you're trying to capture your audience, um, look at that. Ask your um, family, ask your kids, ask people that are in that, you know, in those different age brackets. And and in terms of hiring, uh, look at your culture. You're now taking on, you know, Gen Zers that. Think of everyone in the workplace is like Google. You know, you have sleep pods and you, um, you're you just chilling on a beanbag. So get your culture right because if you get the wrong people in, that can have a negative effect on the, effect on the rest of your uh, workforce, which could then hurt your business. So it's really important to adapt your business internally to support these this generation coming through. And I know this isn't sort of necessarily your bag in terms of how we get this done, but moving from shirt and tie, office desk, nine to five, to beanbags and sleep pods, everyone's going to go, fuck that, no way. <laughs> I can imagine right now, what is the, and I completely agree, there needs to be a shift in culture because the companies now that are 30, 40, 50 years old and still trading, that doesn't give them the right to still be here in another 50 years time, they need to earn it. So Absolutely. what's the first thing that they can start doing, the small little thing that you potentially see other businesses doing that is starting to shift that culture? I think the key thing is have fun, give accountability. Um, set a culture that is that you want people to have fun, get the most out of them because you will get the most out of your business, but also make sure you have that accountability. There's a difference between 
having that fear that someone's going to come in, sit on a beanbag and chill for nine hours and go home and not do nothing versus having that, having them have that accountability that actually they've got, you've got the money's worth out of them when the week's over. Yeah. I, th- I think just ha- how they get the job done is, is completely up to them. So long as they've got a set of deliverables to actually hit and make sure they need to hit by the end of a week or by the end of a month, I think, the culture they they can be on the beat now, be upside down, they can be whatever they want. So long, so long as they're uh, bringing the money in or they're delivering, then that's that's the main thing. I think companies obviously they get a little bit wrapped up with everything needs to be done by the book, and yeah. that can potentially be a limiting factor to someone achieving results or not. I think what we're saying is that book's been written and it's mm-hmm. out of date right now. And what one thing that I just know and I keep kind of coming back to it is. <clears throat> People listening to this show are going to know they need to be doing social media. And I want them to take away that first initial step. And what Shane said is right. Start, one, become a practitioner. Go and do social yourself. Set your team a task to go and do social. Listen, if you've got a team of 35-year-olds that have never opened Snapchat, you want to go, listen, guys, our customers are on Snapchat. I want everyone in the team to go and create a Snapchat account and tell me one thing that you like and dislike about Whatever it is, there's nice sort of ways to get people thinking about it. And then when you bring someone in, it's not a massive culture shock. Shane, you've been amazing as expected. This is your time on the show to be extremely selfish. So over to you, two minutes. Anything you want to say, do in this two minutes, it's all yours. Thank you so much, guys. Look, uh, I'll be as quick as possible. I won't need the two minutes. Um, you can find me at sugarnova.com. Just remember, we are delivering that sweet explosion to your brand. Thank you. Spell Sugarnova. S-U-G-A-R, as in sugar, N-O-V-A, explosion. Um, you can reach me through email, uh, info at sugarnova.com for any type of inquiries. If you want to reach out to me personally, it's Shane at Sugarnova. That's Shane with an, a Y, so S-H-A-Y-N-E. Um, I'll have some videos on YouTube coming out, so that's just youtube.com forward stroke sugarnova. Uh, Twitter is um, all sugarnova or sugarnova group on Instagram. So you can see Shane practices what he preaches. He's on every platform, it seems, apart from Snapchat. I'm sure he'll be there soon. And Shane, once you've got that YouTube live, for everyone listening, you need to go across to startupdiary.club, which is a website address. It sounds odd, but I promise it's true. Startupdiary.club. Go there, put your email address in. It's not a weekly email letter. It's not even a monthly newsletter. We'll only send it out when it's relevant. If Shane's videos and content is good enough, we'll actually be featuring it in one of those emails. So that's your challenge for you, Shane. On that note, thank you so much for your time. I look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Cheers, Shane.